Welcome everyone to the Deep Dive, the podcast that skips small talk and goes straight for the concepts that shape our thinking and behavior. In this podcast, cold expertise is defenestrated as warm philosophy is enthroned in an attempt to explore the field in which we're all scientists looking for answers, living well. Hello world, and welcome to an episode of the Deep Dive podcast. Today I'm joined by Tanya Raj. Hi, Tanya. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. And as in the beginning of every episode, we'd like to know what you're going to talk with me about. Sure. So when you had first reached out to me, I know I had different thoughts, but I think uh, something that resonates very deeply with me is um, a topic about aloneness, loneliness, and silence. So maybe we can get started there. Sure. So in terms of just exposing us as, uh, to start a discussion, how, would you, how are you thinking about it today? Um, I mean, uh, all of these three terms, uh, in my head, they are separate yet interconnected. And I think I found this interconnection um, a couple of years back. And this was um, in the high Himalayas, like, uh, and there's this alpine lake. And early in the morning, I, we were there. And I happened to find some time to myself where I was just sitting on the rock and just gazing out at the lake. And the surroundings and the only thought that was occurring to me is like these things or these mountains these waters they've been here for millennia people like me millions of people like me would have come and gone but they stand here true to testimony to everything that has happened on this earth and do they feel alone or do they feel lonely or is it the silence that it exudes do they embody that And that thought kind of started having that interconnections for me. Interesting. And, and is that something that you at all, um, a concept that you were aware of like earlier in your life? Does it um, connect to you on a personal level to something you um, went through earlier? Or was it just a sort of epiphany when you were watching these lakes? No, definitely. I think all of these concepts have had um, some connection to me in my earlier years. So I think the very first uh, um, concept among these three that I learned about was aloneness. Uh, even before I learned what is loneliness, I learned how to be alone. So, and that is uh, because uh, during my growing up years, um, it was literally a fight for survival. So it was no, there was no room to, be, to feel lonely. per se. Um, and if I have to just uh, give you a little bit of a story, backstory around it, it is uh, when I was five years old, I was sent away uh, from my family. And uh, since then, I've never been with a family. I don't have a concept of family life per se. I mean, obviously, I have a family, but, uh, you know, what, what are familial bonds or what is the care that goes around in families? I have never experienced that. And 
so because i was sent away and i was all on my own it was uh, it was definitely i think a phase of aloneness um of uh, learning to live by myself uh, without any emotional support uh, without you know as a child if i'm 5 years old without any physical hugs to care for me or um ensure that you know i'm feeling uh, mentally okay uh, it was uh, it but at the same time i think i'm i i feel really grateful for that because that prepared me for life very very well and even today like as soon as there's a crisis situation all these tabs in my head start operating as with a backup plan plan a plan b plan c so it is never something that uh, takes me by surprise it's more like okay we have a problem now what do we do about it so that was my first brush with this particular concept that's very interesting and it sounds like you faced some challenges and you definitely um made lemonade uh, from the la- from the lemons life gave you <laughs> i took the lemon and winged it right back exactly and exactly. I'm, i'm very happy to hear that so you're saying it sounds like something stuck with you like some sort of understanding of how to operate under um circumstances which are unstable or unknown and is this aloneness then connected to like trusting yourself that you learned how to trust yourself and do you feel then that that you are more unfazed by uncertainty and and challenges um i wouldn't say completely yes to that so uh, again you know during the growing up years obviously you're learning th- through these things um and even some of the challenges that i have faced in my adolescent years uh, uh they have taken me by surprise they have made they have broken me down but i think right now as i look back and i'm starting to imbibe the lessons of all of those years things are starting to feel much more easier um the same kind of uh i would say challenges if they come up today i'm much more able to um kind of uh, work through them also i think there is a certain understanding that has come uh, about that uh, we any which way come all alone in this world and when we die we will go alone so aloneness is something that is a constant that's that's that so you feel you have uh, maybe you're all you're even enjoying an ad- advantage like knowing knowing what it's like and not needing the constant you know you you know that you don't need um many others to support you like you're able to to do things by yourself and uh, i'm trying to get at the at the notion that you said you wouldn't go back and change these things so can you explain a little bit what what edge you think you have there with these experiences that are definitely tough at first but you say you've been forged by them so what is it that you gained like how would you explain that um yeah i would absolutely not change a sort anything uh, i mean had you asked me this question maybe 10 years back i would have said yes i would change want to change my life i would not want to have been born um but today i do not think of it that way um yes to a certain point i have become very comfortable in uh, being alone living alone and i think that was one of the greatest things that helped me during this pandemic when i was isolated most of the world was isolated not just me um but having been in lockdowns and in isolation all alone wasn't difficult for me 
In fact, I enjoyed that phase of my life so much <laughs> and I have accomplished so much more <laughs> things that I have been procrastinating for years. I have been able to accomplish during this, these, pandem- these two pandemic years. So um, I think I have come to a stage where I, I've started enjoying my own company. Yes, obviously, if I have friends around, I, that's amazing. Um, but I don't think that I hate being alone. In fact, I love being alone. And because I have so many other things that I can do when I'm alone. That's amazing. That's great. So uh, what we learned so far is that it's, it's great to know how to be alone um, in case of a pandemic, which is a <laughs> one, one in no, 100 years. You don't, have, you don't have to go through childhood trauma to go through a pandemic situation. <laughs> that's right. No, that's great. And I love it. Um, are there any other places where you, where you feel that this suddenly, this concept, either aloneness or loneliness were um, coming more often to your mind that you had to meditate on them specifically or silence, which you're going to introduce later? Um, have there been lessons that you feel kind of contributed to how you, you view these concepts today? Yeah, first of all, uh, I I do feel that there's a very, very big distinction between aloneness and loneliness. Um, Aloneness is when you are okay with being alone, right? You're comfortable in your skin. Uh, You don't don't really bother if there's somebody with you or not. But loneliness, on the other hand, has an emotional angle to it, uh, where there is a yearning, there is a longing for something which you don't really get. And most of the times that stems from um, intimacy or companionship or closeness to others. So loneliness definitely takes a different tinge. And um, I wouldn't say that I haven't felt lonely. I obviously, I'm I'm human and I feel lonely uh, also at times. But yes, there have been very specific moments in my life where loneliness was highlighted and it came up to a surface to such an extent where I couldn't breathe. Uh, like I, I was actually finding myself having difficulty to breathe. And that is when I realized, okay, this is the difference between loneliness and aloneness. Yeah, it definitely takes me back to, to the years, you know, of uh, just battling depression and feeling that it doesn't matter if there are a ton of people around me, um, I'm lonely and, and it's the cliche is that you can be very much alone even though there are dozens of people around you, right? Absolutely. And I think those are the, those are the specific moments where uh, loneliness has crept up. Even though, you know, and these are during uh, pre, pre-pandemic years when obviously there were people around me, I could go out freely and meet everybody. Those are the times I've felt uh, lonely and uh, very interestingly during the pandemic, I haven't. So that says something. That's interesting. And now you, um, you mentioned to me in conversation we had before, um, meditation, is that something that is, can be connected with, with those terms and, um, and also to silence maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, see, meditation, again, uh, there are different, uh, different ways to approach meditation. What kind of a meditation you're doing? Is it a guided imagery? Or is it a vipassana, which is silent meditation? Or uh, is it just concentrating on your breathing, right? So uh, whatever works for whoever, whichever individual. 
but meditation does i i have felt it does play a big role in um grounding you to a certain extent where you learn to accept things the way they are um rather than rejecting them that it should not be this way or this is not what i wanted or this is what i wanted and and i'm not getting that is what i think develops into anxiety and meditation does help reduce that anxiety uh, a lot but i think the biggest form of meditation that i have found is writing so uh, on a daily basis i journal and uh, because it is my journal and it is personal and nobody has a look at it i can write anything in that be it the crassest of things uh, if i want to curse somebody if i have been wanting to express something to somebody but obviously maybe due to the circumstances i can't journaling has just been a very very great meditation tool for me so that has also connected all of this together yes that's inter- is that is that a, an approach that's commonplace to call meditation that or is it usually um the practice that um no i i don't think so because uh, i i also know people who uh, swear by meditations and they can get a little fanatic about it but i i believe that if there if meditation is being used as a path to find god or whoever that you believe in or you're trying to figure out your own inner self there needs to be a little bit of a flexibility because we're not machines we cannot operate on the same level every single day so if today you feel like just sitting in silence well and good tomorrow if you feel like you want to dance do that so meditation should be as flexible as breathing so silence in terms of of meditation is something that you you dabbled in and you don't see you don't see it as completely necessary to be to be meditating in a formal way but journaling is comparable to that in your mind and is it a coincidence that it's something that's done silently or is it not done silently in your case like do you have something in the background or any different way um apart from the barking dogs it's mostly silence so yeah i think i think you're right it has an element of silence to it and i know we were coming towards that so again you know silence is a very interesting concept that i have learned off late and um or rather i'm trying to learn or imbibe silence can be viewed in uh, two ways right so one is a silence that people think about when you say the term silence it's like oh it's peace and calm and everything is rosy and we are in the garden of eden um yes that is the kind of silence i have experienced uh, where you know it can become so still that you can hear the soul of the universe or your own heartbeat or god's breath whatever you want to call it right and that puts you in a very transcendental rhythm with things around you but silence can also be discomforting one if it is if if you are a person who's not very comfortable being with your own thoughts silence can feel like torture because then you're able to hear everything that's going on inside your head but silence can also be toxic i know that kind of toxic silence has been inflicted upon me i have inflicted it upon others as well 
and this is where you know silence from others where it can become unconcerning or um, has a facet of rejection to it right i mean it is very easy to assume uh, someone else's silence and uh, try it and you internalize it thinking that oh i must have done something wrong or this person is not talking to me because of this and it's very easy to come up with those assumptions but uh, the truth is it is never about you neither is it about the other person you know every single person on this earth um has their own anxieties and struggles and they are just caught up in it they are not necessarily uncaring or unfeeling they are just self absorbed or rather i would say self focused and uh, that is okay but when we start internalizing it that is when silence can become toxic yeah that's fascinating to explore the dark sides of of silence like i remember a conversation i had with someone close to me at some point um who said they just wanted a uh, silence it's interesting what you say about how people sometimes really despise being in silence because that's when all their thoughts are coming flooding in and on the other hand it's i get them to um they they're asking for silence but they don't like the silence which means to me they they're not really talking about silence as like um air carrying sound waves right that's not what they mean um silence has a more abstract quality of of just not being a distraction or not being something that sends um ripples and distortions through your soul right um this yeah. is the more abstract um silence that i think we're talking about and i was pointing um to her when we were talking that also silence is like to me there's this image of you know the 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 heartbeat on the monitor and over there you definitely want to see those spikes going up and down and and keeping going and not total silence so it's very interesting to to look around this concept and really understand um what we mean by silence and um and see what are the positive aspects of it and what the negatives are and really check to see if we're talking about um sound waves or about something else that's more uh, metaphorical and goes on in our soul to you is it something that you encountered like from the physical world the type of silence that are sound waves that you could then later kind of carry the metaphor into your um psyche do you think um yeah to a certain extent uh yes because um, you know at the end of the day uh, we as humans we are social creatures right and we are uh, hardwired to interact to communicate but um, you know earlier this morning i was talking to a friend and we were talking about the same subject of silence i don't know where, how that came about and she mentioned a very interesting thing she said you know for some people uh, their baseline is conversation and they like to go into silence but for some people the baseline is silence and they like to go into conversations so it's important to realize and that made me think that it's important to realize what what is your baseline it could be somewhere in between but if it is one of the other extremes then learn to become comfortable to operate in that right 
So say if I have to say, I think my baseline is somewhere in between. I, I love conversations, but I can't just talk to anybody. Or I, actually, I can talk to anybody and everybody. And I've been told about that. So I have the lack of uh, uh, wandering around and talking to random strangers on the streets. But they're not deep conversations. When it's deep conversations, it's, uh, it's with people I feel comfortable with or I know. But I like to come back to the silence of my space. And when I'm doing some deep thinking or writing, I need absolute quiet. Otherwise, there is something or the other going on in the background. Either it's music or a podcast. So I don't think I have a baseline of either. It's somewhere in between. So just, just trying to figure out what is it that works for you helps you operate much more fluidly in the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. When I really have to study or do something, it's, it's better that I'm silent. But interestingly, I found that if I'm reading a book, you could dance around me probably and I would not be. I just get so engrossed in, in what I'm reading and the information that goes in my mind. And that just kind of is, is interesting because, again, I'm taking it to a place where silence is something that could be actually a product of your own mind. Like you could impose silence on the world and it's not just the world that affects you and you're just at the mercy of what the world is doing, like whether it's noisy or silent in a, in a physical sense. But silence is also something that we can teach ourselves to, to have control of and then impose silence from our mind on the outside world and kind of um, negate any sort of um, effects that the world has on us. Um, is this something you, you encountered or like you feel you from all the lessons you've learned around also being alone? Is this some sort of uh, skill that you, that you can see yourself um, practicing? Um, yes and no, uh, actually no, because um, um, I, I don't like the word control. Um, for a good part of my life, I have tried the approach of control. No, I have to control my emotions. I have to control my fear. I have to control this. I have to control that. It doesn't work. It just doesn't. You just waste your energy over it. So I, I like to think of it in a way that uh, you accept it. And that is, a, that is the entire um, concept of letting go. Letting go is not about, you know, letting go something th through your hands or dropping it. Letting go means accepting things the way they are. And once you do that, it doesn't bother you anymore. And that is what letting go, that is exactly when letting go happens, right? So I don't think um, that that ability to control that I have been operating for a very long time is either helpful or has helped me. Um, so I, I go with this approach of, okay, this is a situation and what is it about the situation that is bothering me? Because obviously there is some amount of discomfort that it's causing me. And if I, can, if I can drill down into that and then realize that, okay, this is the reason I am feeling this way. And what can I do to not feel it that way? Then maybe that, that, that what can I do to not feel it that way? Again, I wouldn't call it control. I would call it free will. Because, uh, and again, that's a, that's a very interesting concept for me. In, in, for the longest time in my head, I thought, Free will was something that you are allowed to 
choose how your life turns out to be um and that has been propagated by a lot of these books called the secret and all of that i i have realized it's not that because you cannot really change the direction or course of what your life is going to be what you can do is how you choose to react to a certain situation or rather how you choose to respond to a certain situation not even react and that choice that is free will yeah so, that's that's yeah. interesting so if i'm going to reframe what i just said because uh to a large degree i i agree with you and i have a huge long story about about letting go in my life on something that was very meaningful to me which might come up um but maybe it's not it's not that we are able to produce silence and impose it on the world but um we are able to if we are in a in a good place with our souls and the whole place then we are able to filter out some things that um would usually uh, rock our boat or put us on on tilt or something like that and and throw us off what we were doing and having the mental resilience to filter things out and resume as normal or react in a non-trivial or non-standard way like even though it's easier to get angry sometimes the the right thing to do is to is to react differently and for that maybe we need to know how to um keep our inner silence not by imposing our silence like i said before but filtering out things and just um staying with things through for a little bit until um other options occur to us like you say and i agree with you that this feels like free will to me is having a a, a hefty buffer and and a large repertoire of possible um responses and actions to things so free will is to me um cultivating a large repertoire of possible actions of reactions actually in life and that allows you to be more flexible mentally and you're not the type of person who is bound to repeat their mistakes all the time yeah uh, I, yeah that that's actually the point i agree with you yeah so again if i you know if i go back to the first very first thing that i had mentioned or rather one of the first things about uh, me being away from my family since i was a child right so um i think the silence that i have cultivated within has helped me get through some of the trauma that would have left a very deep impact of not having uh, parental you know figures or not having familial love love so you know how much ever unlovable that i feel or invisible that i feel within my family um that silence helps me realize that they are unable to look beyond uh their own world and they're unable to see in what terms it hurts me or another person um and for that i cannot hold a grudge against them and for that i cannot hold a grudge against myself um all that i can do is yes that happened yes there are certain emotions associated with it but how do i choose to react with it so yes. yeah that, that's it yeah sorry go ahead No I think I think that's so true and from uh, my knowledge of 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 trauma uh major trauma I'm not just saying like anything but the kind of trauma that kind of uh keeps keeps holding you back like even later in life and from the people I've known with that are dealing with those type of things um it's very much 
a sort of not being able to shake off something that's happened to you before and not being able to filter out those triggers that are everywhere around you, you know, because anything could, could at any moment kind of hijack your soul back to that place. And over there, it's more like a program than, than anything yeah. with free will, you know, you just go through the same cycles over and over. And, uh, and, and that's really fascinating. So um, let me ask you, if, is it something that you consciously aimed for, like putting things behind you and, and moving on? And did you have a, a practice to do that? Or is it something that just gradually and naturally matured in you? Um, I think it has gradually and naturally matured. It, um, earlier, I have uh, gone down those paths, uh, beating my chest and my hands. Uh, uh, like, I will not accept how, why this is happening to me. And uh, destiny is so unfair. And uh, I think those are, the, those are the moments in life that, yes, you should, you should allow yourself to feel those emotions because otherwise there is no other outlet for them. But those are also the moments which drag you into that chasm of loneliness, you know, where um, you feel a certain way and you would want to reach out to somebody, maybe, you know, um, even if it is a happy news and you have nobody to reach out to. If it's a sad news, you want to cry on somebody's shoulders, but you can't. That, that, that very feeling that is heart ripping or breath choking feeling, that to me is loneliness. And that can spiral into depression, which has at certain points of time in my life as well. But um, I don't think I made a very conscious effort at doing that. I think uh, when I made my foray into tarot card readings and from there into certain other healing techniques and meditations, it kind of started um, maturing at a very, very uh, slow pace. And I am glad where it has brought me today. Uh, me too, first of all. And <laughs> it's great to hear. And I'm interested in, um, in the process itself. Is it that you, could you say that you felt at certain points that you have um, points in time where you tell yourself, oh, I yeah. see now that I can actually react differently and not in the same way that I that I was uh, so-called programmed before. And you felt this opening up of more options available to you in terms of, of responding to situations? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, I think uh, just like everybody else, uh, I've had my fair share of uh, relationships, which have obviously all gone bad. Otherwise, I wouldn't be single today. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But uh, I think that is that is one area that I definitely feel that it has uh, it has matured a lot and it has opened up options within me. So um, there was this one phase in my life where, uh, and this was, I don't know, 15, 20 years, 15, 16 years ago, where uh, I was in a relationship with uh, somebody and we really deeply cared about each other and uh, we were engaged to be married and that didn't work through because his family had some trivial issues. And uh, that has obviously left a very deep scar um, emotionally. 
but every time that now i go through situations and i think back and it's like if i could endure that this is nothing this is literally nothing and uh, in terms of opening up of options as you mentioned yes so i again found myself in a situation a couple of years back where um, i had uh, very strong feelings not had i have very strong feelings for this person and i did express my um, you know feelings to him but that those weren't reciprocated but i could not take it in a bad sense i was like okay that is his volition that is his choice um and that kind of opened my mind i was like wow you have grown up <laughs> you're not clingy anymore <laughs> so yes i think uh, yeah situations in life can either make you or break you uh in this case it has definitely made me and uh, opened up a lot more options of how i react or respond to a situation Well, that's amazing and and thank you for being so open and and candid um yeah i feel with my life the same so um my mom died when i was 10 and i immediately um i was a sensitive kid so i immediately like dipped into depression for good few years not it wasn't um clinically diagnosed but whatever i think we all know yeah. <laughs> if we're depressed we know it yeah um and yeah for sure i remember that um i wanted this this silence that we talked about and you know the the most extreme form of of achieving that silence or whatever is is committing suicide and and being all wrapped up in that and being morbid and in that way and i definitely feel like at some point after years i had started to regain um more autonomy and like i said before like have this buffer between me and things where i grew up in my soul enough that not every little thing would um affect me um horrendously and from there on i could think about things for a few seconds before i reacted in a few minutes you know yeah. then a few days and just have more and more autonomy and more and more of myself to to work with and i think that's also something that um that connects to our talk about uh silence before yeah and that can be such a liberating uh, feeling right i mean where you know that it, you're not you're not allowing a situation to overwhelm you or take you over uh, and drown you in it rather you rather you are able to step out look at it as a third person and make the right choice not may not always be a rational choice but it will be a right choice yeah that's that's fascinating so i'm wondering um since you mentioned like already gotten to a point in your life that's about 3 years ago or so and now we also get back on the timeline back to your time in the Himalayas um looking at those lakes and and wondering about them at that point do you feel like something additional has clicked or have you meditated on that and and come to conclusions or are you still thinking about it and how do you view these terms that you chose to talk about today in your life today like um and where do you think they could evolve still 
Um, I think I think that that particular day, that particular moment was something that clicked in the sense it brought these three concepts for me in one form. Um, so while I was obviously contemplating on that, I, I could just re- remember something from Henry Miller and I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm just going to read it out. But, you know, there's one quote from Henry Miller which says that... Uh, I see myself forever and ever as a ridiculous person, the lonely soul, the wanderer, the restless, frustrated artist, the person in love, with love, always in search of the absolute, always seeking the unattainable. And I don't know why this thought clicked at that particular point of time, but it it made a lot of sense because it, it shows that how perfectly imperfect we all can be. We don't have to always be the right person or do the right things. You can feel like a mess and you can still love. You can be a devil to somebody, but you can be an angel to another person. So you don't really have to be perfect embodiment of a human species because I don't think even God is perfect. Right. And uh, what brought together everything in that moment is one was the silence that I was experiencing, just sitting there, um, listening to the soft ripples, the breeze. There were a couple of birds around that, even though there was those natural sounds, there was a certain very deep silence in that area. And uh, through that, obviously, the aloneness of me sitting there and enjoying it all because there's nobody around me for at least 500 meters and everything is just for me here and nature is putting on a show and I'm the only spectator and it was awesome. So that aloneness, I understood what that aloneness is. And loneliness is because... Um, I was traveling with the person that I had affections for. And uh, even at that point of time, I could not share in that moment with him or express what I was feeling. And that brought home the fact of loneliness. And, and I thought that all these three go hand in hand. And it's beautiful the way it is. It is. It's, it's very beautiful. And, and the quote is beautiful. And the synthesis you made with it is beautiful and is it would it be fair to say that um this is a sort of of these things all of a sudden coming together is something that you is that is salient enough that you can carry with you carry it on and and kind of tap into that place um at any point now yeah every single time and uh, anybody anytime asks me you know what is your favorite memory or favorite place without hesitation my tongue rolls out of that particular day so I know that that was the most divine moment I ever experienced and uh, once you once you touch that kind of divinity it doesn't leave you it just doesn't leave you that's amazing because um being being a lesser human being my uh, my most divine moments were probably um on psychoactive uh, compounds and <laughs> i'm just i'm just wondering now that i'm hearing you saying this i'm just really interested to uh i'm really interested in hearing from you if if you have some recipe for creating such a divine moment or do you think it's just chance or 
or something else? No, I don't think it's just chance. It it is definitely preparation, but the preparation is not something that you have to toil or work towards a lot. It's just about a shift in your perception. So, you know, uh, a shift in perception from heaven is out there to heaven is in me. Or God is uh, a supreme being somewhere sitting on the clouds to I am I am the God particle. I am made in his you know image, as they say. It is it is just that shift and a lot of people I know keep keep talking about enlightenment and what are the things you should do to do it, be enlightened. Who says you're not enlightened? Maybe you had just haven't opened up or opened your eyes to see that you already are enlightened and there are just these uh, veils all around you that are blocking you to see that. And once you can have that realization, I think that is that. But yeah, that realization takes some work of cutting down self-destructive behavior, um, generational trauma, personal belief sets, and that is what is the work all about. Now that's that's amazing, and it's uh, it gives me a lot of food for thought. I think the underlying thing behind behind these things could be curiosity right at the at the base just um keeping an, uh-huh. an open mind and really experimenting and thinking about um more options more options more modes of being um experimenting with that um more ways of thinking uh, that knowing that there are things that you don't know and and really wanting to know them Um, Yeah. And it's so interesting you touch upon that because, you know, uh, I think the biggest shift that I have seen, at least in my life is, um, you know, from a place of trying to fit in or people please, uh, moving towards finding and appreciating people who give me a sense of awe and wonder and who inspire me. So, yes, you're correct. (laughs) Well, it's good to hear you from that. Maybe, maybe on the, I'm on the fast track of, of realizing <laughs> I'm already enlightened. Um, yes. <laughs> no, I think, I think that that has to be it because um, for me, I think, you know, for the longest time, I thought you just, you don't realize it, but you're so conditioned to operate in ways that are expected, you, expected of you from other people. And you don't realize the extent to which it affects you. And um, I think everyone has to go through their own journey of, of going crazy. And I don't mean going crazy as in not being able to communicate anymore um, with other people or not seeing reality as it is or anything like that. But, um, But what re- is reality? Yeah, <laughs> good question. <laughs> um, Maybe for another time. <laughs> um, yeah, I just mean that you really have to to be curious about yourself and what kind of being you can you can grow into, um, because you can just understand that from day one of your life, people are starting to pinpoint you and kind of telling you and the first time they tell you, you know, like, oh, a way to go for doing this or you're really good at this. Now it's kind of pinpointing you to doing that thing. Maybe if you want to still feel validation 
and and all these things. And I think at some point you have to throw all these away and really ask yourself, if I am not this ego that was created for me and, and by me too, um, then what am I? What do I want to do? What do my, uh, where does my mind naturally go and what thoughts come into it? And this is what I mean by, by, by going crazy is not, is not something uh, bad, but it's like kind of breaking away from your old self and hearing your story and, and, your, and what you went through. It just, maybe I think that's going back to, to your childhood and the things you did um, to get yourself out of, of childhood trauma. And it may be the fact that in a sense, do you feel like you were more free to be yourself? Um, because if the downside of not having close family around you is, is very, very clear and traumatic, and no doubt it's not something that we would wish on others, um, but if, if there is any sort of, of upside and something that would make you today say that you wouldn't do things otherwise, it's the fact that uh, maybe you were freer to be yourself. Do you feel that or am I missing the mark? No, I think that's that's completely true. So I have gone from fear to being free. So, yeah. And as you said, you know, just being weird doesn't doesn't really bother anymore. Be weird, be nuttier, be crazier. And exactly. That's why I've been tweeting about um, pulling off a Dennis Rodman lately. Let's see if I do it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that it's it's been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being so open oh, and thank candid you. Thank with you me. for inviting and, me. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And if you want to sum up or say anything additional, or um, now that we're at the end of the show, say more about yourself, more about how you spend your days and what the projects you're working on, then you're more than welcome to do that now. So if I have to sum up. What I would say is the terms, uh, not the terms, the term loneliness is definitely not a bad thing as I have realized, uh, or it doesn't have, definitely doesn't have to have negative connotations. You can harness the power of loneliness and move it towards aloneness and silence uh, where you feel comfortable in your skin. And uh, life will, life gives, I think everybody an opportunity to do this. It's just about um, it's just about trying to tap into that opportunity when it comes through, rather than letting it go. So I hope that helps and that makes sense. But in terms of my personal profile, well, apart from having a very very normal boring corporate job, um, <laughs> I love traveling and photography and you can find my work on wanderingruminations.com and I'm also a healer and tarot card reader and you can find me on tanyaraj.com there. So that's about me. Well, Tanya, thank you so much and I have no doubt that this conversation is going to be of help to you know, a certain percentage of people listening to it and dealing with some um, tough spots in their life and rough matches and thank you so much again and you're always welcome to do it 
to do this again with me because I'm sure we haven't covered all the terms that you've thought about <laughs> in your life and you're so articulate and, and, and candid. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Ayal. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.